I spend a lot of my time building financial plans to help people invest for the future. Now, when I work with business owners, uh, I'll sometimes have my business owner clients ask me to help them plan out their cash flows from their business, uh, which is not a problem because part of investing is looking at income statements and balance sheets all day. Uh, but it's not really what I do. It's more what a CFO uh, does. But a lot of you know businesses that aren't doing eight figures a year may not have a, a CFO. And so I was got a chance to connect with Kendra, the finance fem. You can look that up on Instagram. I'll have it in my show notes too. But this is what she does. She's an outsourced CFO for female business owners uh, doing a good amount of revenue. And we went through uh, things that you need to do to plan out your finances for your business, why it's important, how to organize yourself, when is the time to get a outsourced CFO. I learned a lot and I know you will too. y'all hey today i'm hanging out with somebody who is super smart uh really good with finances and money um and i enjoy talking about money and it's uh it's kendra james she is ceo of the finance fem um hey i appreciate you hanging out today kendra yeah absolutely i'm looking forward to it well before we get into like the, the details of what you do and, and, and how you do it and what you teach uh, your clients. Let's, let's talk about how you got started in business. You know, how'd you develop a passion for uh, finances and, and, and money and, and outsource CFO services? Yeah. Um, so, so business and entrepreneurship literally just kind of fell in my lap. It wasn't um, being an entrepreneur. wasn't something that I actually ever really thought I would be. Um, my my thing was always, you know, go to college, um, graduate, get that high rise uh, apartment, live in the city. Like I was in live in New York City and, you know, climb the corporate ladder. Like that was my thing. And, and that's actually what I was doing. And I was perfectly content um, doing that. And um, I, what ended up happening was I moved to Dallas and just like on a whim, I walked into a, um, a boutique, like a clothing store and um, you know, the, the owner just struck up conversation. And of course, like, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? And so I told her I was, I worked in corporate finance. And um, she was like, oh, well, maybe you can come and help me with my finances and my accounting with, with my business. And I was like, yeah, sure. One day I'll come back, you know, we can set up a time. And she's like, no, can you just like come back to the back of the office now and like look over some stuff? <laughs> and like literally the rest is history. Like I, I started working with her um, still, obviously in my full-time corporate job, just kind of helping her on the side. And saw the transformation in her business in just like 60 days. Like we, we, she landed a six figure investor. She um, was able to scale her brand, like all this stuff happened. And I saw that like, okay, this stuff that I've been doing in corporate, um, you know, I'm sitting in my little office and had a nice little role going for myself, but they're not going to miss me. Like that company is going to make, it was GE. They're going to make billions of dollars with or without me sitting in that office 
but yet I'm helping her and, you know, able to change her business, change her, change her life. Cause you know, as an entrepreneur, if your business is struggling, you're struggling. So when that right. turned around, you know, I was like, okay, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. And that's, that's when that light bulb went off and I got bit by that bug and I said, I need to just develop this. And so um, that's, that's really how it started. And, and so when, when did you decide to, you know, go, go all in and quit, quit the corporate thing and just jump in there? Yeah, so probably about, um, you know, four or five months in with working with her, I already had several other clients as well, because she was just telling people and so word of mouth. And so at that point, I had a good client base um, that I was still able to sustain on the side. But I was like, okay, if I really want to grow this thing, I'm going to have to leave. So I, I, you know, of course, being a numbers person, I broke out my spreadsheets and ran the numbers to see like, okay, well, how much do I need to save for X amount of months? And I think at that point, I was at like six months, I needed to um, consistently work and save up so that I could quit corporate. And so December 2016, I believe it was, yeah, December 2016 is when I quit. Um, and you know, went into the finance room full time. Nice, nice. And, and so what, what are, what are some of the things that you, you know, so you walk into a business office and a lot of business owners, if they're, if they're, um, successful, right. And let me, let me frame it right. So there's two parts of business. There's actually being able to sell stuff and then there's actually being able to use your resources wisely. A lot of the business early on failed because they can't sell stuff, which is a whole separate problem. But yeah. if, they're, if they're making money, then a lot of them are like not good at tracking their resources and allocating it appropriately. So let's assume you come in there with a business owner who can sell stuff, but they're like, hey, I'm not at my potential because this is just disorganized. What's the, what's the first step uh, that you do? Yeah. And, and actually, I love that you made that point because I think that that's, that's a very important thing. Like there's a, entrepreneurship is very big right now. People are going into business for themselves, but it's one thing to say like, Oh, I, I have a business, whether it's service-based or product-based and you're still not yet making recurring income, like sustainable recurring income from whatever it is that you're, that you're selling. You know, that's a different phase of business, right? That's like you're saying, like that's that early phase where you're just trying to make sure that you have a sustainable business or brand. But then once you have that and you're, you're bringing in the income, then yeah, the very next thing that you really want to make sure that you're focusing in on is how you are managing those resources, whether it's your people and your time and also, of course, your money. And so the first thing like is that you have to sit down and just get clear on the money that's coming in, like your different income streams. And then what are your typical um, like expense expenses that are, are causing the money to go out like that's just like that finance one-on-one thing that you want to do first is sit down and know how is the money coming in how is the money going out and just get a good overview of that and depending on how much money you are making in your business it's likely just best at that point to hire in uh, an accounting partner or a finance partner even if on a couple of hours a week basis to sit down with you and manage all of that because depending on the number of transactions you have it's just, it's not worth your time because that's another part of, you know, managing your resources is your time. It's not worth your time to try to sit down and figure all of that stuff out because what could take um, a business owner who might be amazing at selling this product or selling that service, like that's your lane, that's where you're strong. It could take you, you know, two hours to do something that might take someone who's financially inclined 20 minutes or five minutes to do. So it's just, 
at that point, if you're making the income, you know, outsource it. Um, so it just really depends on where you are in your business. If you're just, just starting off, there are some things that you have to just fundamentally learn about how to, you know, get sustainable income, excuse me, how to get sustainable income, how to track the, the money that's going out, how to have a budget. But once you're making a significant income, it might just be time to outsource some of that. No, make, make, makes sense. And so, and so let's, let's, let, let's give something to everybody. So, so, um, let's say it's somebody who's, who's just starting out. Are there some, some useful tools that, that are, you know, that are free that mm-hmm. you recommend people use to just get a hold of their finances? Yep, absolutely. So there's, a, there's the two, two that I, that I recommend, and it just depends on how comfortable you are with spreadsheets and things like that. If you're comfortable with spreadsheets like Excel and things of that nature, I say use Excel, like literally go in and type in, you know, whenever you're spending money, have a little uh, tab for expenses, you know, and, and just type in how much you're, you're spending. But the very, very first step regardless is to separate your, your bank account. So let's, let's actually start there. You know, so as soon as you're making any money in your business, even if it's, you know, a low amount of money, you want to have a completely separate bank account for your business. And that's where you're going to funnel any sales that come in from your business are going to go into that. And any expenses that you spend out of your business are going to come out of that. So you want it to be a completely separate bank account. Um, and that's only going to be business. And so then typically the next question is, well, what if I want to pay myself? Or what if I need to fund some money into the business? How do I like get my personal money in there? So you want to, if you're not going to set yourself up on a formal payroll, then you want to schedule your owner pay um, similar to a payroll schedule. So what I mean by that is, you know, do you want to pay yourself once a month or two times a month? So you're, you're going to know what your personal expenses are. And then you'll pay yourself out of your business on that payroll schedule because you want to get yourself on a certain cadence on a certain rhythm of transferring money in and out of that bank account from your personal so that it's not like, you know, every time I'll get my nails done, I'm going to, you know, make sure I can pay myself money out of that so I can go get my nails done. If I'm going to Target, I got to go put money into the account to go to Target. You don't want to do it for these little transactions. You want to do it in bulk, bulk transfers from your personal to your business and vice versa. Got it. No, I like, I like that. I like that. And I'm going to come back to a question to follow up on that, but I want to kind of dig deeper and build that a little further. So, um, and, 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 and this, this is probably, um, deep for some people, but I think it's important, right? So can you, can you talk about the parts of, of, of an income statement and you don't got to go into all Mm -hmm. the parts, but just, I'll give you like an example of a story. So I had a, you know, I like vet investments for my clients, you know, cause a lot of people pitch, you know, private business investments to my clients. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Hey, look, you know, um, at the very least send it to me, you know, I'll vet it, let you know if it's a good deal or not. I'm not going to take any money on it, but just, I can give you a separate set of eyes. Right. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so this guy, you know, sent, sent a deal to my client. I reviewed it and uh, he's a young, you know, he's a young brother too. And, and he, you know, at the beginning, his cost of goods sold was off. And so I had to explain to him what cost of goods sold were um, and, and helped him fix that up. You know, obviously I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was a good deal for, for the client, but I just realized a lot of people don't even understand like, you know, revenue, cost of goods sold. Yeah. So can you walk through just the basic parts of that income statement and, and why it's important to um, um, organize your money in that way? 
Yep, absolutely. So with the income statement, like some people might hear it referred to as like a profit and loss statement. What that statement, or a P&L, if we say it for short, what that shows is the the income um, and the expenses that are associated to your business. So basically the kind of the cost of you doing business um, and then the income that's coming in from that. So the way that it looks visually is, and definitely like Google, for those of you that haven't seen one before, like Google profit and loss statement or income statement to see an example of it. And then like, as we're talking about it, kind of look at it and walk through it. So at the very top, you'll see income and income is typically broken out by your different streams. So let's say that you are a, uh, a consultant and maybe you have um, you know a consulting package a it'll show the income from consulting package a and then consulting package B so you might have the different streams broken out and it'll show you how much income you've made for that period for those different um, packages so that's your income and then underneath income you'll see your cost of goods or cost of, of service it's basically the costs that are directly attributed to you making that income so for product-based businesses, if you are selling, um, if you're selling t-shirts, but you're wholesaling them, so let's say you buy them for $5, but you sell them for $50, then the $5 cost is going to show up as your cost of goods. Um, so it's the cost that's directly associated to the income that's coming in. And the reason why you want to see that first is because then you'll see your gross profit. So your gross profit is how much are you making uh, what's the profitability of the actual service or item that, it, that you're selling? So that's important to notice, you know, to note period so that you can say, okay, well, what are my margins? That's all that conversation around margin analysis and all that. That's your gross profit. Then after that, you'll see all of your operating expenses. So operating expenses are, you know, if you have rent, if you have uh, professional services, like lawyers and things like that, that you're paying for, that's the cost of doing business, not necessarily the direct cost of um, selling a specific product or service. So sometimes there's a little gray area between is this a cost of goods sold or an operating expense, but at the end of the day, it's going to show up on that P&L somewhere mm. um, or on that income statement somewhere. And so those are all your operating expenses. That's where you're going to also have payroll and salaries, things like that. And then you'll have your net income at the very, very bottom. So the net income is your gross profit minus your operating expenses. So essentially what the profit and loss statement or the income statement is walking it's first your income minus your expenses, whether they're, you know, cost of goods or operating expenses, <clears throat> which is going to show you your bottom line number that we're always talking about. That's your net income. Got it. And so the follow up, <laughs> where, 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 would, where would somebody show their selling expense? So if they're running ads or uh, hosting events, mm -hmm. um, they maybe have a sales team to make calls. Where does that go on the P&L? Yep. So if it's, so it kind of depends on the business itself, but in general, the cost of um, marketing expenses, like Facebook ads, things like that, is going to show up in your, in your operating expense section, because those are kind of general expenses that you're having to um, bring in people into your business. If it's tied directly to a specific service, you could have it in COGS, um, but typically that's going to show an operating expenses because it's bringing business into you. I'm not necessarily tied to any particular aspect of your business. But, um, but ultimately, you know, I, I always tell people, don't get caught up on is it going to be in the COGS area, which is cost of goods sold, or is it going to be in the operating expense area? At the end of the day, you just want to be aware of it. Because either way, it's going to show and be reflected um, and come out of your income, and it's going to impact your profitability. So whether we're talking 
that top line gross profit number or the bottom line net income, net profit number, regardless, it's profitability, right? So when you're making money in your business, you want to be cognizant of every expense, every um, deduction that, you know, that you're paying out to your business so that you can know how profitable am I? Because there are a lot of businesses out there that are making millions of dollars in income in a year, but they're keeping very, very little of it because they're, you know, they're cycling through that money so quickly. Yeah, and and uh, that was kind of my, my follow-up question is how, how many folks are surprised once you kind of help them organize their P&L and give them a, a salary and, and all that? How, how many of them are surprised by how much money they're blowing? They're all surprised in some capacity, um, you know, because and and because when you, you know, when you when you're making, you know, let's say forty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars a month in your business, well, okay, let me back up a little bit. Also, because like, and you mentioned this in the very beginning, where you said, you know, some people are just making money because they're really good at selling certain things, like. If you have a talent, a skill set, a God-given gift, and you're able to make a lot of money off of it, that doesn't necessarily make you an amazing business owner. That just makes you amazing at whatever skill set you have, which means you're able to bring in a lot of money. But the management of that money is a whole different skill set and a whole different you know, talent. So I, I have a lot of amazing businesswomen that I work with that have had great businesses because they are amazing at producing and selling whatever it is that they have, you know, whatever it is that they sell. But that doesn't mean that that they can manage the money, right? So it's not a oh shame on you kind of a thing that you can't, you know, you can't manage your money. It's just that's not your skill set. Your skill set right. is being able to market and sell this or do whatever it is. And so it's not like a, a shame thing. Um, it's just a let me step in and help you clear this up so that we can we can really a pay you the way that you should get paid um, as a business owner that's that's doing so well. But also, you know, make sure that you're lined up well for taxes. Make sure that you have a, a retirement plan. You know, do you want to sell your business later? Like, so that is why you want to bring somebody in. Don't feel ashamed about it or like, oh, my God, you know, I'm shocked that I'm spending this much money in my business. That's, that's everybody, honestly. Like, that's a lot of people. There are very few people who are going to bring in $100,000 a month and not blow it a little bit you know, without any, without the help of somebody stepping in and saying, okay, let's, let's think about this, you know? Well, yeah. And accountability is huge. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's the same, you know, it's the same um, argument that I have and I, and I outsource, you know, I outsource my, my bookkeeping and I'm mm -hmm. pretty strong with, with numbers, but it's, you know, it's the same thing I talk about when, when I talk about investing. Investing is, investing is like, once you understand how to invest, how to, you know, evaluate investments and you got a process which I mean, you can read in a couple of books right which you know I may make it sound simpler than what it is but the hard part is not the process the hard part is staying with the process right which okay. is the value of a uh, of an advisor because of because of emotions and I can see the same thing in what you do um, it's absolutely you got all these things coming at you every single day and yep. and i don't know if you heard about this but you probably have we only have so much willpower right yeah. you only get so much willpower per day before you have to recharge and you know having a good team just kind of keeps the guardrails around you and focused on where you're trying to go so you can use your willpower where you're best gifted to direct that willpower so no i get yeah it. absolutely and and as a as a business owner like you get hit with so many different people that are that are wanting to help you or services and products and you don't you know you don't know which one do i put my money into so 
having somebody who could run that analysis. And like you said, being a diff- being an ear to, to also um, another set of eyes to, to review things is everything. Because, you know, you, if you're out there on you know, Instagram doing Instagram ads, and all of a sudden you're going to get a whole bunch of people who do Instagram ads hitting you up like, oh, I can improve your Instagram ads and giving you different proposals. And it's like, well, do I go with this one? Do I go with that one? So you need somebody that's there in your corner that understands the ins and outs of your business. And that's why we do this in the CFO level. Like it's, it's completely different than having an accountant or a bookkeeper or something like that, right? Because we go really deep into not just your um, your finances, but also the business strategy. Like what are your short and long-term goals? And we marry that up so that I can look at a proposal from a company and say, okay, yeah, this is a good idea or it's not. Um, or this is a good hire or not a good hire. And, and so you need somebody there. You deserve as a business owner, you deserve somebody there to help you through that and making those decisions and, and not trying to, you know, just continue to build on your own. So, so, so if I can use an imperfect analogy, you're kind of like a corporate financial planner. Essentially. Yeah. It's, that's, that's actually a really good, a really good analogy. And a lot of people, and I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of people don't know the difference between like finance and accounting. And so that's actually one of my struggle points and <laughs> why I'm actually I'm currently looking for somebody in marketing, like help me talk through that, is how to explain what it is that we do in the CFO capacity, because it's just so different than what a lot of people think and know. So actually that's a good, a good way to explain it. It's absolutely like that. It's an advisor um, on the finance side, accounting, operations, taxes, like, we, we hover over all of that. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so going, going into marketing, um, that was, that was a great, there's a, you're, you're making the transition so easy. Um, <laughs> so, so talking about marketing, you, you, you've obviously, so, so I'm going to assume you're extremely good at what you've done because you've grown an amazing business, you know, um, so far, um, in such a short term, short time. And you came, we met through somebody who I respect and admire, uh, Terry, and she, she, you know, talked a lot about you. Then I take that your LinkedIn or your, um, your Instagram and you have like a lot of followers. So ha- has Instagram been a big, uh, driver of, of your growth uh, so far? Yeah. Yeah. Instagram has been great. It's been, um, it's been a great way to build community and, um, it's definitely helped with getting some certain clients and things like that. So, Instagram is definitely one of our main um, like online marketing platforms. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been great. And that's was something that I had to get help with. Like initially, like I had to outsource that to a social media manager for I think at least a year. Um, and she helped me get all the way together because I was so corporate. Like I talked so corporate, all my pictures were so corporate when I first started my social media, it was a struggle. And then she helped me like realize like, okay, you can't, you can't be the same, like, you don't have to be the same way that you were when you were, you know, buttoned up in the boardroom meeting at GE. Like, it, it has to look and feel differently when you're working with these women. And so, um, so she helped me through that. And so that, that's definitely been, um, been a big piece that's helped out with our Instagram page. Got it. And you also have a, you know, very informative email newsletter um, that I definitely link up because, um, you know, I'm getting the emails and you're giving some some great free advice. Did you set that up on your own or somebody helped you with that as well? 
So that I actually set up on my own, and, and, I, and I appreciate that, um, that compliment because that is something that I struggled with because it's very hard, um, in my opinion, it's hard to talk, and I'm sure you probably see this too, is that it's hard to talk about what we do and, and how to give tidbits of tips and things um, to people when you don't necessarily know what um, level that they're at, like are they just starting or are you talking to somebody who's been in business for 10 years? So it's hard sometimes to give some of those nuggets without feeling like you're either watering it down for some or going too hard for others. But um, but yeah, I set that up myself and I try occasionally to go in there and drop some kind of some kind of knowledge. Hmm. Well, I, 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 I forgot to check. What, what system do you use? This is a side. We, we'll do some nerd talk, but which, which uh, CRM system do you use? So I'm using ConvertKit. I use ConvertKit and I actually really like it. It, it was, um, at first I was kind of like, eh, I'm not so sure about this, but I use ConvertKit for um, all of my email marketing. Okay. My, my, my web guy just got me on active campaign. I use MailChimp for a while. Okay. Yep. But, uh, I've heard good things about active campaign as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then go, so I'm going to, I'm going to circle back through, cause we were talking about, um, uh, separating bank accounts, paying yeah. yourself, uh, the importance of, 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 of having a salary and, and what I, and what I wanted to tee up and I'll tee it up with this. And you probably noticed that too. Um, cause I think we talked about it offline, but the, the majority of businesses, um, people don't realize fail from year five to 10, um, I think it's the same 80% that fell, same number that fell in the first five years, but that's because they don't allocate uh, their resources wisely, right? And so um, what, so let's say you organize somebody, you get them on a budget, they, they have some um, uh, retained earnings and maybe we wanna go through that. But, but then what, you know, then how are you helping them uh, strategically think through how to allocate that money so they can, you know, grow the business to the next level and not fail, you know, from year five to 10 or whenever. Yeah, that is, um, that's when we start doing some real deep, like mindset kind of work, right? So once we get out of the, the first phase of let's just get your money under control so that it's not, you know, you're, you're making 20,000, you're spending 20,000. Like, so once we get out of that rhythm of, um, understanding the money that's coming in and out and we have it to some type of a controllable way then the next thing is like let's work on mindsets so that we don't go back to that place like let's let's sit and think about well what are the end goals for you in your business and let's talk strategy and let's start executing on that strategy um and focusing on the strategy and remembering like okay this strategy is tied to this budget so let's stick to this budget because that's what happens a lot of times is you know once you get out of the craziness of not knowing where your money is going, it's like, okay, now I see that I have this, you know, $20,000 uh, net income number at the end of each month just sitting in my account. And now my bank account is growing and growing and growing and growing each month instead of staying the same because I'm actually making sure that I'm tracking my expenses and things like that. And sometimes it's hard to fight the temptation of spending that money as it's growing and growing and growing, right? Because when you're, when you're used to years of, the bank account not growing, even though you're doing a lot of sales, you're mm -hmm. used to years of that, it's hard at first to see it growing and growing and not feel like you have to spend it. So that's a lot of times where, yeah, let's, let's focus on the strategy and the long-term goal of what you're wanting and not on the fact that your bank account's growing. 
because we're going to need that to sit there and continue to to pad itself for taxes or for whatever it is. But now let's focus on strategy. So that's when we go into that work. And um, we get to actually do what I think is the fun stuff <laughs> and mm-hmm. start implementing things to either scale your business if that's what you want to do or stabilize your business if that's what you want to do. But we get to get into the execution of strategy versus just like, oh my gosh, you spent another $200 here. What was that for? You spent, it's, it's out of that phase now. And it's like, let's focus on that next level growth. Yeah, oh yeah. And that, and, that, and that ends up being the fun phase. I think, I think, um, you know, you look at what um, I'm, I'll just use the greatest CEO of all time, Jeff Bezos does, you know, um, you know, it, it, it becomes if, if, if you're in competition with other businesses that are small businesses, most of them probably aren't looking at that. And then you think about once you wrap your arms around your money, then you're like, all right, how do I really get an advantage? And it's, it's, it's saying, hey, what are my goals? And then how do I make investments that puts me ahead of them five years and seven years from now uh, in my business to give me the best competitive advantage? But um, and, and that to me, I, I love that part of being just strategic uh, on the business um, um, because I, and one thing I tell a lot of my business clients is, hey, look, you know, um, the, the best investment you can make, you know, because they'll have extra money and and and, and they'll wonder if they put it all in the stock market or whatever. I'm like, hey, you, you're never going to earn more money than what you're going to earn by putting it in your business in the stock market. The stock market is only um, to uh, diversify you, to spread you out, you know, to simplify your life. I know a lot of business owners that, you know, they, they have 100% of their money in their business or doing other deals. And I'm like, you're complicating your life. Like Mm -hmm. you own all these properties, you got all these different businesses and, and that's cool. But you know, you know, um, you may want to simplify it and I'm getting off, off on, on a tangent, but, but the point is um, the best investment um, uh, is going to be uh, in your business. And so that strategic part, I think is super important. Yeah, it, it's definitely important. And it's, um, it's one of those things and to your point with, with investments and things like that, it's one of those things where I say that once you get to a certain point, and a certain level of like comfort in your business that you know that it's it's at least secure recurring income that's coming in. You really want to just focus like find a find a partner whether it's a, a CFO, a business advisor, a personal financial advisor, something, someone that you trust that you can let in on some of the ins and outs of your business and your goals that can help you um, that can help guide you through that. Like you, there comes a point in business where you got to have that 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 second in command. Like you got to have that second person there with you that you feel comfortable with that can help you with that because trying to execute and go to the next level on your own is just um, extremely difficult and extremely stressful. And then one bad decision and you feel, you know, things might go this way. So bring in someone at some capacity that you can let in deeper than just the surface level of your business. And then also understands your personal objectives that can help you go to that next level and actually carry out and execute the, um, the strategy, you know, that you put at hand. Well, no, and I, and I definitely think a, a CFO is the is, is definite next step for, for, for a lot of folks. That's why I was so happy when we got introduced. Cause a lot, of, a lot of my clients like want me to do that. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I mean, I can help, but it's not really what I do. You know, I'm, I'm the investment person and the personal financial planner. Uh, you need a business financial planner, which I was excited uh, uh, when we got connected. What, when, when, what, at what level of revenue does somebody need to be uh, to start thinking about 
um, an outsourced CFO service? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I would say for um, from like product-based businesses, um, you really want to start having somebody come in there, even if it's just, like I said, a couple hours a month reviewing things. You really want to have somebody, if you're making, you know, 30, uh, 30, 35K a month um, in your business. And the reason why I say that number, I used to say 20K, and now I say a little bit more, but the, anywhere in that area of 20 to 30K, you want to have somebody because at that point, you're, you're coming to a point where, you know, you're hitting a, almost about a quarter million dollars a year in business. And depending on what your cost of goods are, depending how much it actually costs you to have that business, you might have a significant tax bill at the end of the year. You know, so you want to really start thinking about um, ways that you can incorporate tax strategy and things like that. So if you're about 20 to 30K a year in business as a product-based business, then you want to um, really start thinking about bringing somebody in. On the service-based side, I say that number needs to be a little bit higher, maybe 35, 40K, because you don't have as much cost of goods um, usually associated with service-based businesses, but to just kind of simplify it, you know, across the board, if you're making 20, 25K a month in your business, you want to start thinking about bringing somebody in um, to help out. And a CFO, someone who's doing CFO work, when they have that conversation with you, that initial like, consultation with you, they'll ask you what they should ask you a series of questions that can help determine if you really actually need a CFO at that time or if maybe you can, you know, just get away with having like an accountant or something like that or a bookkeeper um, for your business. Because it really depends on the complexity of your business. Because you can be making 30K a month in your business, have one product, and it'd be super, you know, easy and streamlined and not so complex where you necessarily need a CFO and maybe you just need a bookkeeper or something like that. Um, but once you start hitting 20, 30K a month, you want to start considering it and start looking at different um, CFO services that are out there. Okay. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll go to my, my, my last five questions I ask everybody now. Uh, if you can go back and, and talk to your 22-year-old self, what would you tell 22-year-old Kendra? 22, that's, that's a very specific number. <laughs> 22 versus like 21 or 18. Um, my 22-year-old self. Um, uh, you know, in fact, okay, my 22-year-old self, I would basically, I would tell her that you know, anything is possible. You know, anything is possible. If you, if you want to do this, go do it. If you want to go and do this, go do it. Like anything is possible. Because at that time, you know, I was very focused on what everyone says you're supposed to do, you know, go to college. I went to Clemson, graduate, go move and do this, do this job, climb up this corporate ladder. And so I was checking off those boxes, doing what I thought I was supposed to do. But, but I, I could have seen outside of that and then um, done things differently. So I would say, you know, anything really is possible and, and think outside of the box. Okay. What are your top three favorite brands? And, and these brands can be like, you know, for business stuff you buy for your business or personally, but just brands that you say, I'm super impressed. I don't want to do without them. Um, it could be like grocery store. It can be, uh, you know, Amazon, yeah. it can be shoes, watch, whatever, you know, but it, just what are your top three favorite brands? So I would say um, for sure, Amazon. I just adore Amazon and almost for more like a business case study standpoint. I mean, I guess I do shop there a little bit, but I just think that the way that they came in and just like dominated. Um, um, so Amazon for sure. Um I'd say Apple for similar reasons and that the way that they can um, 
they have almost like a cult-like following. I think that that is, you know, ironically kind of dope. Um, and my third brand, um, um, that's, that's hard. I guess now I find myself like looking around my office trying to like find a brand. I don't know. I don't know about my third brand. I think that was, that was kind of hard to. Okay. No, that's okay. Um, what do you watch, read, or listen to, to get your news and information and or education? Uh, I used to be a big fan of like podcasts. So, um, I, I love to be able to like listen while I'm washing dishes and things like that. Right. I fill a lot of my time with trying to listen to especially business things. So I would say my number one podcast, um, and, and actually I want to say, I love your podcast too. I did listen to the McDonald's episode last night and I was like, Oh man, I now I need to get a McDonald's franchise. So <laughs> love that. I, I love my league tail. I think my league tail is like the, the mentor in my head that I've had for, for several, several years. And she has a podcast called the My Taught You Podcast. So I love her podcast. Um, uh, Natalie Exel has a great podcast called the Biz Chicks Podcast. There's kind of a theme here, you know, business women that are like crushing it and killing it. I, I tend to gravitate towards. Um, so I would say that those two podcasts are kind of my top um, for women-owned businesses that I've been listening to. Okay. Um, what, what about, um, I asked that question already. What do you watch for entertainment? This can be like show sports, but when you're trying to turn your mind off and you just want to not, you know, not be smart and just let your brain rest, what do you like to, <laughs> what do you like to watch? Uh, uh, I, I do, I am a huge fan of Clemson football because obviously I went to Clemson and they weren't as great when I went there. So now I'm like a super fan of Clemson football. So I definitely like watching Clemson football. Okay, we can like um, end the podcast right now because uh, I'm a Bama that. fan. No, I'm just. Oh gosh. You know what? I won't even, we won't even touch <laughs> that topic. <laughs> we won't even touch that topic, but you know, considering that we won this year, I won't rub it in your face, but I do love um, Clemson football. Um, and then actually, I really like mystery shows. So like my number one show of all time that I, I've probably seen every episode of multiple times is The First 48. I'm obsessed with that show. Um, and so I like shows like that, where it's like, you know, you got to solve, solve for something. Um, so even when I'm trying to shut my brain off, I shut my brain off from work by shutting it on <laughs> and, you know, by watching murder mysteries and stuff like that. So I like those kind of shows. No, I get my wife loves Fort Forty Eight. I used to, I used to just go. Uh, I watched a lot by default, and I was like, really <laughs> like, uh, she's like, I'm from Houston. She's like, yeah, Harris County shows up a lot, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's like I love that show. It's crazy. Like that first, and I'm sure your wife probably has had this happen. Like the first ten seconds of the show comes on, and you're like, oh, I've seen it, but you, but you end up watching it again anyway. Like, mm-hmm. I love that show. Yep. What are the top three books you've read, like either recently or of you know of all time? Okay, so my number one is Think and Grow Rich. Um, I absolutely love that book. It just changed everything to me, and I think I read it in twenty seventeen for the first time, and like it just changed. It changed like the trajectory of my business. Um, reading that book, so that's definitely always my number one. And then, um, uh, I, so really, John C. Maxwell almost. Well, I won't say any book because I definitely haven't read all of his books, but specifically 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. That's a really good book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a sit on your shelf 
and reference when you need to kind of book though because it's not like the easiest to get through all at once it's a little kind of boring but it's a good book and I say um any of those kind of books that are like tied to personality tests so like um, emotional intelligence and um like the Myers-Briggs, like things like that. I really enjoy reading those books as well because it's all about like self-awareness, right? It helps you just become a better person, a better business owner. So I like, like those books. Have, have you done the DISC profile? Is the DISC profile the ISTJ? I think ISTJ is the Myers-Briggs because I know I'm ISTJ. I think that's Myers-Briggs. So I don't know if I've done DISC. It's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to guess yours. You're you're probably like uh, disc is like D, which means you are very task oriented. Um, and so I'm I'm gonna guess you probably scored high on that on the Myers Briggs, which is which is similar to disc. And then um, oh, I see it. I just pulled it up here. I just googled it. I don't know what I am. I have, I have to take the test. I haven't taken this one. You, you, you should. I, I forget what the Myers-Briggs does, but I think Myers-Briggs has like dominant or something like that would be similar to D, but I'm, 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 I'm curious. Yeah, it's definitely fake Myers-Briggs. It shows you like, um, it's like introvert versus extrovert. And you know, how do you make your decisions? Um, how do you take in information? So um, as an ISTJ, I'm like, an introvert that is very um detail oriented like mm -hmm. so definitely take that myers-briggs test and i'm going to take the disc test and i'm going to see if there's like similarities but um but things like that are things i love like i love taking those and like learning more and seeing like oh this this is very true about me oh this is not so true um but being able to like just become more self-aware yeah no I, I like that too it helps me in sales when i meet somebody I try to guess what they are and I'm normally spot on so I can know how to talk to them. Yes. Yes. That's so important. Well, well, I appreciate um, you coming on. Um, I'm sure folks are going to learn a lot. And I think we did it in a way that was not overly boring uh, <laughs> or, or intimidating. I actually think, you know, I, you know it, was some, it was some good information. So thanks for, thanks for spending time doing this. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And where can, where can folks, um, find you? Yes, the website is called thefinancefem.com. So it's fem is F-E-M-M-E. -M -M -E. um, and then same thing on, on uh, social media. So Instagram, I'm at thefinancefem. Um, and you can check them out online on the .com or on Instagram.